This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and Easter Sunday, please consider in your almsgiving a tax-deductible gift to our ministry. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the spiritual journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined once again by Dr. Peter Kraft, professor of philosophy at Boston College and a prolific author. His many best-selling books include Doors in the Walls of the World, Symbol or Substance, How to Be Holy, Practical Theology, You Can Understand the Bible, Back to Virtue, and Because God is Real. With Dr. Peter Kraft, we go inside the pages of Probes, Deep Sea Diving into St. John's Gospel, published by Ignatius Press. Dr. Kraft, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I have to thank you even more for writing Probes, Deep Sea Diving into St. John's Gospel. It is like nothing I've experienced in the context of Scripture Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, it was experimental. It's a very unusual book. I'm not sure it's going to work, but it worked with you. Thank you. I can't put it down because what it's providing for me is, like you said, a deep sea diving, diving deeply, but maybe more in the sea of my heart than anywhere else. I, was that part of the goal? Yes. Most books do your diving for you, and you just dive next to the diver. But I just give you a diving suit, and you have to do the work yourself. <laughs> I I loved it. And part of that, when you're in a diving suit, you have to depend that air will come flowing down that line, don't you? Yes, God provides the air. Yeah, he, he certainly does. And I think that's what's so different about this. If you pick it up, it seems like you're about to enter into a scripture study, but this is something beyond that. This isn't simple catechesis. This forces you to engage with the living God who is speaking to you through this. And that is so different, Dr. Craft. That's perceptive you of you to see that because the premise behind the format of the book is that that scripture reads you as well as you reading it, that it's living, literally. That it, that the Holy Spirit comes to you through the words of Scripture. So it's a dialogue between you and God. I think that's what is so different about this particular book, because in the very beginning, you say that there are two things that we accept. First, that there is the truth of the historic Christian faith. And then second, the infinite depths and riches of Scripture. Now, that first point is that the truth of that Christian faith so is there a presumption that those who are participating in this have encountered that living truth? Not necessarily. An inquirer, an open-minded inquirer, can still use the book. Uh, he won't dive quite as deeply or as confidently as one who already believes, but he's invited to come aboard. And the reason I thought that was really important, at least what struck me, was that this is the kind of entrance into Scripture that is experienced in mystagogia. For someone who has been received that Christian faith has said yes 
and brought in at least through baptism into that initiation so that now there is a depth to the dialogue that can happen. Yes, and that's the scriptural meaning of mysticism. It's not a special experience that bypasses ordinary consciousness. It's just a a deepening of ordinary experience by the faith that comes from baptism, yes. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the book, Dr. Kraft, is that there is a trust that a dialogue is going to occur, and that's why it is all questions. What you're doing is you're helping us articulate the questions that really do dwell in the human heart. Yes, but that puts a heavy responsibility on the reader because three voices all have to be heard in order for this book to work. Two of those voices are guaranteed to be heard. Uh, Mine, because I wrote the book already, and God, because he's faithful to his promises. Uh, But the third voice is the reader's, and that voice has to be active also. And if so, uh, it'll work, and you'll get responses. If you talk to God, he'll talk back to you. But if you don't, uh, well, he has to get through somehow, but it's not as easy. And this is the gospel to take that time and to probe. Maybe Our Lady would call the word pondering. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's a great word. But this is the gospel, isn't it? I mean, what was the the saying of, I I hope I have this right, of Vagoras Ponticus, that someone who is a theologian, if they truly pray, and if you truly pray, you're a theologian. The most important bodily organ of a theologian is his knees. Mm. And the reason I bring that up is that in this, this really is a prayer because we are probing with those questions. We have to listen, don't we, for the answer? Yes. Yes. I, I think most of us uh, have too narrow a concept of prayer. We think it, it is confined to those limits where we expressly identify it as such. But all search for truth is a kind of prayer, and all love of God, even anonymously, is a kind of prayer. So in that, as you point out in the book, and I think it's been taught in for centuries, millennium in the church, the answers are found in Scripture because that is the divine revelation where answers are found. Yes, and the depth of it is like the depth of the sea. Uh, there's the surface, which is clear, but then there are, there are unlimited depths. You can go down and down and down. Uh, there's no other book like it. Uh, it, uh, it is literally infinite because it's, it comes from the mind of God who is infinite. Mm. Again, for the, the listener out there and who will, I hope, become the reader, you will Actually, this is probably one of the quintessential prayer books I've ever had in my hands, Dr. Craved. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it can be that if, uh, if you do your part. But I, my, my primary fear about this book is that most readers will simply take it uh, and, and do it privately. Uh, and that's, that's good. That's something that's worth uh, doing, even if you do nothing else. But it definitely is designed for a group, for for people to interact, because flint and steel together produce a spark, which neither one can produce alone. And that's true of human minds, too. And it's interesting you brought up that communal prayer, mm-hmm. the communal yeah. contemplation, because that's what this is. As you instruct the group, don't go fast. Don't rush. Yep, that, that's a hard thing for us to do. We're <laughs> professional uh instant McDonald's food uh, customers. 
Yeah, well, we are. We're used to the the quick moving through a, a drive through, and that's not what this is about. You even set up for those who will enter into this this different type of encounter with the word, the structure of what that might look like from the taking of turns, throwing dice. Don't try to pre-plan so much that you not got out of the way. Yeah, I hope the reader doesn't take all these rules and suggestions as burdensome. It's exactly the opposite. Uh, you don't have to invent them yourself. I give you some basic rules within which you can play. They're like a fence around a playground. It, it helps the play rather than limiting it. Mm, we're talking with Dr. Peter Kraft about his book, Probes, Deep Sea Diving into St. John's Gospel. What's so remarkable about this book is that you, as the author, have a degree of trust, too, in those who will be engaged in these pages. It's a different kind of trust than you have in God, not only that it's finite rather than infinite, but also God has already spoken. But now you, the reader, have to do your own speaking, your own pondering, your own thinking. So I'm trusting your sincerity and your honesty and your effort, Uh, not your results. You're not supposed to be infallible or to get all the answers. That's only God's prerogative. But uh, as long as you're open-minded and we'll give it a try, you'll get something from it. This is a particular work that is not, how do I want to say this? It's not strictly Catholic because the the Mm -hmm. scripture isn't strictly Catholic. I mean, it is for for the Christian community, but also those who are seeking. Well, this is why I say the historic Christian faith rather than simply the Catholic faith, because Protestants love scripture at least as much as Catholics do. Uh, And that's our common root uh, before we branch out into different denominations. I would think this is exactly what ecumenical studies, to ground it in this type of relationship with the Word first, and then from that, allow God to allow the fruits from that to flow. And that is not just a a future hoped-for ideal, that's a, a past historic fact. When Catholics and Protestants get together in a truly ecumenical way, based on their common faith in Scripture, things result, like the decree of justification, where Mm. the fundamental problem of the Reformation has been essentially solved to the satisfaction of both sides. Uh, Yes, we are justified by faith, uh, and yet good works are a part of that deal. Uh, And the Lutherans and the Catholics exchanged language systems, so to speak, and saw that both of their doctrines, which apparently contradicted each other, are based in Scripture. I've said this in the beginning, it's so much more than a study. But, you know, I don't want to give study a bad rap. (laughs) Studying can be more than just, as you alluded to, just giving you the answers on the page. And so, okay, now I have the knowledge. This is about a knowledge of the heart, isn't it? That's why I use the word probes instead of study. Study is, well, kind of rigid. Here's the object, and here's you and you want to learn more about the object. But a probing is an ongoing thing. Uh, I like the word pondering. This is a very Marian uh, kind of psychology. Yeah, it seems to be, for me anyway, What uh, the reason I got so excited about it, it was the best of study and the best of Lexio Divina, the marriage of what the two can be like. And I've never seen it put together in anything quite like this before. 
You know, that's a perceptive remark, too, because I didn't consciously think of this as Lectio Divina, but of course it is that. Uh, Praying without Scripture is useful, but praying Scripture is even better. And reading Scripture without praying is useful, but reading Scripture as prayer is better. So this is indeed Lectio Divina. It's both praying and reading simultaneously. Hey, and I took it very seriously when you said, don't go any further until you open up your Bible. And you have that right next to you. Do not read the rest of these pages until you have a Bible next to you. Thank you for making me do that. The book is totally transparent to the Bible, and it's worthless uh, without it. It's like a window. And there was nothing outside the window to see, then the window is pointless. You realize it took me about three days to get through the prologue of John. Congratulations. Well, and I, you know, I wasn't trying to be a, a speed reader. I mean, it took me a lot of time, and I didn't want it to go fast. That's the remarkable thing about it, because once you engage with it, if you're taking it seriously, God does want to talk to you. Well, I'm frankly very pleased and even thrilled that, uh, that you did that and that it worked. That's the whole purpose of the book. The structure of the book, too, is that you're not just asking questions, but you are also leading from your experience. It's not even so much from your quote-unquote study, but you seem to be asking the types of questions that were moving in your heart, and who moves that? That's the Holy Spirit, right? So you're just passing on to us what Mm -hmm. you've been given. That's also why it's important to do it in groups, because our hearts and experiences are different. Even though truth is the same, uh, the light shines through different windows in different ways. So in comparing our different insights and our different ponderings, uh, we learn from each other. Especially this particular book, The Gospel of John, because the synoptics, as you just remind us in the work, that they're similar John is so unique, and he's the one that brings us the word, capital W. And that's an emphasis that you're encountering a person, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, all four Gospels equally present the person, but uh, John probes more deeply. Uh, He has what uh, some theologians call a high Christology. Uh, Not that the synoptics have a low Christology, but he probes more deeply into, into Christ's divinity without de-emphasizing his humanity. There's no contrast between the two. They're, they're one. We've done so many studies, and I'm not. there are so many good presenters and so many works out there that have brought us the scriptures over the years, particularly that there's been almost a renaissance in the last 20 years. But there is that missing of making that journey from what we know and bringing that and rooting that in our hearts. Yeah, there's a limitation to theological scholarship. It's a necessary thing and a good thing. But I deliberately did not consult uh, what other scripture scholars and theologians said about John's gospel, because I don't expect that many scholars will use this book. It's not it's not for professors who meet together in a seminar. It's mm-hmm. for ordinary people who meet together for for the pondering of God's Word. The thing is, by bringing us together in a group to realize and to ponder God's Word, we see His presence in the Word, and it manifests itself in the group. I would have to say for the Catholic Church today, Dr. Crave, unfortunately, and it's been documented in studies, a lack of the appreciation of the true presence of Christ 
within the body of his church, and it, it manifested throughout the liturgy. Yes, and the whole purpose of Scripture is to bring us into that relationship, uh, that person-to-person, that I-to-thou, that self-to-self relationship, which is not just intellectual and it's not just emotional. It's deeper than that. The the word I is a very mysterious word. Uh, I think that's the best definition of the image of God, because when God reveals his true name to Moses, it's the name I am. Uh, And that I is inexhaustible. It's that which has a mind and that which has a will and that which has a heart. Uh, And when you have that I-thou relationship with God in Christ, that's the whole purpose of Scripture. That's the whole purpose of the Church. That's the whole purpose of God creating the universe. Well, I think that's why I was so excited about this book, because it really brought forth, I should say both books, not just your book, but the Bible that was sitting with it on my lap, that it brought the presence of the Word really strongly within my heart. That's the whole purpose. Oh, well, then praise God that if we had more like this, if we can at least begin to understand the presence in the Word, maybe then we can begin to appreciate once again the sacraments. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, too many Catholics have been sacramentalized without being evangelized mm. or theologized or catechized without being evangelized. They, they met the words, plural, without ever meeting the word singular. And that's what happens with probing. That's why we need to probe, isn't it, Dr. Craved? That's my ultimate purpose, yeah. It's not guaranteed that that's going to happen, uh, and it's not something that happens without your effort, you're wanting it to be. But all those who seek that will find that. When Christ says, seek and you shall find, he's talking about himself. He's not talking about anything else. You might seek a long life or a life without pain or a solution to a problem without getting it, but you won't ever seek him without getting him. When I was thinking about the various types of groups that could get together and use probes as a way of entering into Scripture— I thought of groups in parishes, you know, yes, and men and women at different different locations doing that. But then I also began to think, wouldn't it be wonderful if young couples or if families, because if they can begin to enter into these questions and probe, imagine if we taught our children to do this as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, a, a very interesting additional dimension. Uh, I am very pleased that the book can be used in so many different ways, and you've suggested a couple. Very good. I think in today's culture, don't you think, Dr. Crave, that we are craving, I mean, the the whole culture is screaming out that people, they want to see, but they also want to be seen. They want to hear. They want to be heard. But they also want to know, but they want to be known. And you can only accomplish that by communicating with another I mean, indirectly. And so there's an ache for that, isn't there? And even when we're open to each other personally, which is becoming increasingly difficult in an age of addiction to our cell phones and relationships that are mediated by screens, but it's still possible. But even more than that, the encounter with God is an encounter with someone who never misunderstands you and never puts you down. Hmm. 
those of all faith who have near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences and perceive this, this being of light, which is obviously God, always say the same two things. The being of light gave them total truth, total knowledge, total openness, and also total love, total affirmation. And that totality is something we never find in this life perfectly from each other. To get there, we have to learn to be able to listen. But how can you listen if you don't ask a question? Because we all have that quest. We Are you there? You know, I mean, can, help, can you help me? Yep. There's a desire to get a response, but we don't know how to fashion the questions anymore. Perhaps we don't do that, not just because we don't know how to fashion the questions. That's not terribly important. Uh, a stupid question or a badly worded question is still a good thing. Mm -hmm. But maybe we're not confident that there's somebody on the other end who's going to actually answer us. Mm. When we read the Bible, the temptation is to study it as an old dead document, which can give you information and inspiration and all sorts of things. But, but we look at it as a mirror and then we see only ourselves. We should look at it as a window and there's somebody outside the window looking in and looking at us and the whole point of this book and the whole point of reading scripture is to meet him. Mm. You know, sometimes as you were saying that, I think sometimes we read scripture too in the study because we look at the Old Testament and how it's connected to the New Testament. It's almost like watching a football game. And sometimes we get real excited and say, oh, wow, there's a connection. Mm -hmm. But that's still not the engagement, is it? No, that's a preliminary and it's a very good preliminary. But that's like reading the rule book understanding the game. The actual physical contact on the field is the same. Mm. Well, I hope you don't mind, but I did break one. Uh, maybe I broke a rule. Maybe I didn't, but I jumped ahead because I was so excited. I, I said, how will this apply for me personally? I went to my favorite passage, my favorite chapter in John, and that was 17, chapter 17. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I... I'm still not through it yet, Dr. Crave, because I sat back and as I pondered those questions that you helped us to fashion, I found I had more of my own. Well, I see John 17 and Romans 8 as the two greatest chapters in the Bible. One is the deepest depths and the other is the highest height. Because in John 17, you get a, a, a glimpse into the life of the Trinity, the relation between the Father and the Son. Uh, Christ reveals his deepest heart there. Mm. Uh, and in Romans 8, you get a, a kind of a foretaste of heaven, the, the culmination that uh, all things work together for good, uh, mm. the reason for it. So I'm glad you picked out that chapter. That is the most intimate and revealing and heavenly chapter in the Bible, I think. And it wants to be known. He wants us to have that glimpse, doesn't he? Yeah, he deliberately designed it. Yep. Mm. Oh, what, another reason why I love the, the work so much in that structuring of a group, if you're going to come together, no matter what the size is, whether it's small or large or whatever, that there isn't a leader as much as maybe you might need a facilitator. But mm -hmm. there is a difference, isn't there? Yeah. If there's a leader of a study group, uh, the temptation is always, well, he knows more than I do. I'll just sit back and listen and he'll do all the talking. Mm -hmm. And here, every, every one of us has to be his own teacher. If you can listen to the scripture, then you can begin to listen to what the work is going on in the other across from you in that group. Yeah, yeah. And this is going to be also training for ecumenism. We listen to each other. Mm. 
we look for uh, hints of truth that we may have forgotten. Uh, and certainly, uh, every major religious group, including world religions, uh, have some insight, something good and true to teach us. So to do that, we have to listen. Are there wrong answers, Dr. Kreeft? Of course. Of course, if the law of non-contradiction has not been revoked even by the Supreme Court. Mm. So mm. either there's only one God or there's many, and either there is a God or there isn't, and either Christ is the Son of God or he isn't, and either the Church is what she claims to be or she isn't, of course. Uh, but even, even, even in groups that have deep errors, and even in individuals who are deeply in error, there is always some light. There is always something positive that you can learn. Mm. That's why it's essential that there's the presumption that of the truth of the Christian faith. But maybe we just don't know what the Christian faith is anymore. Well, this is a way to find out. Here's mm. the fundamental document of it, the New Testament. Mm. And what a great one to start with. Well, Dr. Kraft, I wish we had more time. I really do. Probes is, well, I hope you got the idea. I love this. It's going to have a broken spine and be all beat up, but with, probably within a week or so, if not sooner. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it too much. But any final thoughts? Well, uh, that's uh, a nice way of putting it. Uh, if this book works, it will have a broken spine. It will be severely... Uh, uh, bended and mutilated and annotated. Mm, yes, and shared with many, many others, along with the word. Dr. Peter Crave, thank you so much. Thank you, and God bless you. With Dr. Peter Crave, we've gone inside the pages of Probes, Deep Sea Diving into St. John's Gospel. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to ignatius.com, the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with thousands of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com. And join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.